okay? I want to begin with Psalm 115 and verse 16. I don't know if you've ever noticed this verse, but what a powerful idea. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to mankind. It belongs to us. What a generous God. He is a ridiculously good giver. Sometimes we miss it and we don't see it. We, but I want, to, I want to point out this morning his extravagant, his lavish ways that he just continuously doesn't stop giving if we'll open our eyes and if we'll see. This is who he is. Many times, maybe or sometimes I should say, maybe not many times, but we speak of the attributes of God like His omnipresence or His omniscience or His holiness. But how, how, many, how many messages have we had on God as generous? And yet, He is. His generous giving nature from the earth alone, we receive uh, food and minerals and vitamins and nutrients and materials that protect us and feed us and shelter us to store and to build. Just that alone, that idea should strike a certain amazement in our hearts. And, and then, as has already been said, as we looked at in that Hebrews passage that Betty shared with us, as we've already sung, it only gets better from here. It just the future is better. What we have is generous and rich, and the future is richer. Let me read a verse from Revelation 21 just to remind you this morning, and it says that He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no more death-likeness or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. They're passing away and there's a newness. This is the story of the gospel. There's a newness of life that has come because of God's generous gift, giving from the beginning, Betty, Genesis chapter 1, through the gift of Jesus Christ and through the gift of God's Holy Spirit. We're being renewed. Look at verse, the verse 5. Go ahead and... He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Would you latch on to that today? Because there might be some other, other messages that are working through your heart, and I want you to hear this one. He said, he said write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is bringing about newness in the world in, in His church, in, in our individual lives. You see, and along the way, He gave us His Son. You remember John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave. He's generous giver. He embodied His gift, giving spirit in this person named Jesus who is full of grace and truth. So we have a passage then, like Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, and I'm just pointing out a few of these snippets throughout Scripture for you to see how often, how many ways, just a multitude of ways that we can see this great generosity of God, but, but as we've already said a little earlier in the service, we, 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 have, we have just a, a disposition in our heart that wants to kind of 
close him off or because of a hurt or because of, 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 of dissension or because of some, just all the things that we might expect where life fails us, we get focused on that instead of the gift giver. So I just want to remind you again of that this morning. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the opening of the book of Ephesians. I, was, I preached from that last week in chapters 2 and 3, but here's 1, 3. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. And I don't want us to think about heaven, but I want us to think about, about, about God's reign, God's realm, where, where God is at work in the past, in the present, in the future. He's blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And I don't want you to contrast spiritual blessing with physical blessing. I'm talking about every blessing that comes from God is a spiritual blessing. So we've been made rich this way. Goes on in verse Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8 to use a word that we might not use all that often, but they've been lavished on us. And the generous gift giver has touched every one of you, whether you can appreciate it this morning or not, and I hope that you can, and I hope that you'll open your heart. Now, I was with Don and Pam Edson earlier this past week, and I just dropped by the house, and they were so gracious. To, their home was so, so wonderfully warm, and, and uh, we just shared a few minutes together, and we got to talking about the Cardinals, of course. And, uh, and, and Don said, you know what? He said, I, I, learned, I learned something, I heard something, or uh, read something, I'm not sure which, Don, but a, a few weeks back, and it's the difference between expectations and appreciation. And he said, you know, with the Cardinals, I have got to move from expecting to appreciating. And I think we kind of can get where that is going. There is a lot to appreciate appreciate about the Cardinals, and we might have expect, okay, Barb, she's over here shaking her head. Oh, the Mets. Oh, come on. Come on. This is a, I got to speak to the hometown crowd here. Okay. But we might appreciate that we could expect about the Cardinals, but we've got to move from expectation to appreciation. I think the same thing happens in our lives. We build up all these expectations, and we get, we get so focused on them, and then when there's the gap between the expectation and what happens, there's this, this disappointment. We, start, we, we can so easily dwell on that rather than moving to appreciation, and God's generous gift-giving is all over that. So it's with that background, I want to turn us to turn to this Luke passage and think about what Barb read for us this morning for just a minute. In this biblical story in Luke 8, 1 through 3, a few short verses, we can learn so much. And, and I wish we knew more. I wish there were, we could tell more about what was going on. We'd get this, this, this like the, the, the window is just open for just a peek and then the, the it's closed again, we can't see. But he, Jesus was traveling from town to town, and these, uh, the disciples were with him in this traveling. That's verse 1. Go ahead and put up verse 2 there. There were some women who had been with, 
had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Have you ever really thought about that? That these women were, were tagging along. They were a part of this contingency that went with Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus and the twelve. We know from other parts of Luke, it was Jesus and the, and the 72, so we, we, we might be able to think about that, but it's, I think most often I thought of that as a, as a sort of an exceptional or a one-off mission. But here we have, going through all these towns, there is this, there's this caravan of people that are with Jesus, including these three women who had, have, have been ministered to by Jesus, and... Uh, not just the 12, okay? I want to make that point. And there, three of them are named. One is Mary Magdalene. She had been delivered from evil spirits. Now, if, 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 we, if, if there's a person who at this point understood the generosity of God, it was Mary. And in her encounter with Jesus, she had been delivered. Luke states that seven demons had gone out from her. Seven is the number of fullness or completeness. So I don't know if there's literally seven demons, but the, but the idea is that the demons are now gone so that her life might be completely controlled or controlled again by the Spirit of God. My point is, life had been horrible, but now she had been troubled, and now she was helped. Jesus had set her free. Well, the second woman in the story is the woman Joanna, and she's the wife of Chusa, the Herod's, I guess that's how you say it, Herod's man. This guy, that she's the wife of the guy who is, who is supposed to manage all of Herod's wealth. He's the steward over it all. And then the third woman in the story is mentioned only by name. I wish we had a little bit more, but her name is Susanna. All three had been mightily, mightily impacted by Jesus. They were recipients of His generous giving. They have received the gifts of mercy, of healing, and then an invitation to go with Him and participate in it as the kingdom of God is brought into the lives of other people throughout these villages. And I suspect, as I imagine this scene, that they played an important part in serving other people, especially the women and children. You see, in this patriarchal society, I would expect that these three women do a great deal of encouraging and counseling and instruction, particularly with those of their gender, uh, their gender as part of Jesus' ministry team. You ever really stop to think about these women? Notice this verse in Luke 8. They had been impacted by the generous giver, and that's why they were following. Now, I want you to see that these women were helping to support them, meaning Jesus and the apostles, the twelve, maybe others, out of their own means. Well, they had been impacted by Jesus, and now they were giving to generously support him. They paid the bills. Imagine if Jesus had not had this support team in place. 
for his three and a half years of ministry. Could he have sustained it? Could he have kept it going? It's the only place in Scripture where we're informed of these three women. But they paid the bills, and Judas, and we know about Judas, he kept the purse. We're in a series on membership, and I want to ask you, what can we learn from this generous God and from these generous women as we think about being members here at McKnight Crossings? In week one, we talked about living faithfully to God and participating regularly in the assembly, in the activities of the church. When we sit down with a packet with the elder and one of the staff members and with a, with a new prospective member of this congregation, we go over these elements. Will you live faithfully in response to God, first of all? Will you participate regularly in the activities of this body so that we can build one another up? We can encourage one another. And particularly, that's one of the areas where we talk about small groups and connect groups and prayer groups and huddle groups and, you know, getting together in relationship. And then last week, we talked about serving eagerly. And we've got, I've got some good stories to tell as I see people in the congregation now, post-COVID, emerging to saying, here's where I'd like to serve, and I see a need. And believe me, you don't have to pay too much attention to, see somebody, to find some needs. Okay, because they're sort of all over. But rising to say, I can help with, in response to that. So today we look at this idea of giving generously, and I've laid the background for that from Scripture. Let me say it more practically. We've got to pay the bills. And just like Jesus, we're trying to grow the gospel through this congregation. That is to grow the kingdom of God, not that we can control that, but we're participants in the things that God values and that He is doing. And we are reaching for more of what God wants in this congregation, and there are a lot of times obstacles, some of them pretty profound, that are in our face. And there's a cost to all of that, because it can be expensive to reach and grow. So giving generously is what those in the family do. Remember last week, I compared our service, our serve eagerly, number three, not as volunteering. Really don't love that word, but as carrying your weight, doing your part, in the family, serving eagerly just as Christ served. Well, I would suggest that giving is much the same. We give generously because God is a gracious giver, and we become like these three women to the degree that we are able, giving graciously and generously, each doing our part. Yes, it is a sermon on giving. But why do you want to give here, you might ask? Well, 
We generously pay the bills so that the kingdom can grow God's way in the world. And so Wednesday night we saw Ian Picker's baptism and anybody was here who was here could not, you couldn't help but be touched by the spirit of the way God is at work in his kingdom. Maybe not throughout the whole church and in every way, but certainly the people who were participants in that on Wednesday night and certainly Ian who was a recipient of God's forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. Well, we generously pay the bill so the kingdom of God can grow so that I heard that there was a traffic jam on Wednesday outside our building as eight families came at once to receive food from our food pantry. Well, we generously pay the bill so the kingdom of God can grow so that the teen group can be here on Sundays and during the week and do uh, mission-related activities and service activities and the friends of our teens can come and find a safe place and friends from area churches can say, this is a good place to be if you're a teenager. And we generously pay the bill so the kingdom of God can grow so that we can add a full-time children's minister to staff. And that was a bold move, but we all know Jeremiah by now. And the Lord's answering a prayer there. Because we're committed to our values of the next generation and our belief that there is no more important work than investing in young families. And we generously pay the bill so the kingdom of God could grow. And so just a couple of weeks ago here on this stage, we had 10 babies or little ones who were recognized on a parent commitment Sunday. That's a reason to pay the bills. And we generously pay the bills so the kingdom of God can grow in Christian family services, we give many thousands and thousands of dollars to Christian family services and to North City Church and to missions in Marseille and Mauritius around the world. And then we come back here to this building and we pay the bill so the kingdom of God can grow through pickleball (laughs) and basketball and board meetings and Acts Campus Ministry, and weddings, and funerals, and small groups that use this building, and community events, and area-wide preachers' meetings, and blood drives, and being a voting precinct. And we generously pay the bills so that we can grow through benevolent outreach, helping others in need, paying the rent, paying electric bill or a gas bill or a car repair. And we generously pay the bill so that the kingdom of God can grow through outreach to new families and new people and guests to this assembly. And then I want you to hear this. We generously pay the bill so that the kingdom of God can help us outgrow our selfishness. Our 
greed that sneaks in and finds too big a place in our heart. Our need for control that we somehow believe money will bring. You see, we give for our sake. Of course, there are many, many obstacles to being a generous giver. Some of us fight. Maybe most of us. As we allow money and possessions to become an idol. To control our life and our choices. And our selfishness begins to work rather than the discipline, the habit formation, the growth of giving on a consistent basis because we start to believe that what we have is ours. And we fall for that lie. And so we give way to fear. And the economy feels kind of flaky, and the stock market is erratic, and our 401k looks down, or is down. And we give way to this fear of not having enough, and this fear of the future and our future needs. So I want us to step back step back this morning, and I just want to ask you a question. Given the generous way the Lord has given to you, is your generous giving proportional to what He has given you? Kind of hoping some of you would take out your cameras and take a picture of that. (laughs) I've asked Carrie Ferguson to come up here and just share for just a couple of minutes as one who I know for many, many years as a generous giver, just to give a couple of her reflections on this message this morning. And then I've got two challenges for you. morning. So I want to speak to the behavior and the discipline and the attitude of giving. I was very blessed to grow up with parents who were pretty intentional about their giving. And I remember them teaching me that the Bible says, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, it didn't say, if you give, if you fast, if you pray. And I have to remind myself of that. Um, But uh, that really made a difference to me. It's like, okay, then that's an expectation that God has is that I give, that I pray, and that I fast. Um, My parents uh, taught me a lot about money. My dad died when I was little, and I remember my mom telling me that uh, I had to get a a degree in college so I could have a good job and take care of myself in case anything happened to my husband. Um, And I was thankful that that she had taught me that. But I also grew up with a fear of money, not having enough. So it's interesting that I'm talking about giving when I struggle myself with 
having enough, thinking that I'm safe because I have money in my 401k. Um, so when my kids were little, I had them sit down when they got to a certain age and pay bills with me. And I would say, okay, so this is a check for, for the week. And, you know, we have to pay the government because they, they take care of our roads and um, there's all kinds of services. So we pay taxes together. They're still calling me today complaining about taxes. I'm just like, I'm the wrong person to be talking to about taxes. But anyway, I paid the taxes. Then we would, you know, we're going to give to our church family. We're going to put a little bit in savings. And then we would pay the bills together so they could see how quickly it went away. And I would find myself telling my kids, no, we don't have the money to do that, or I can't afford to do that. And my friend Peggy reminded me, well, you do have the money, and you can't afford to, but you may be choosing not to. She's like, that's right, you're right, I'm choosing not to spend my money like that. So I bought these really cool banks for my kids. They were plastic, and they looked like a little downtown set of stores. And there was a store and a bank and a church, and they each had their own little slots on top. They were separate but together. And so when the kids got their babysitting money or their allowance or birthday money, they had to put... 10% in their church, 20% in the bank for, for emergencies or something really big in the future, and then the 70% in the store. They could spend that on what they wanted. Some of their choices weren't so great, but they had to learn, you know. Um, I'm not sure why God has chosen to give me more than I need, um, but I do know that he expects me to be his hands and feet here on earth and to look for needs. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me a lot and puts just a name in my heart, and he'll put a dollar amount in my heart, and I realized today when I was driving back from Springfield to get here in time to talk, he always does it in whole numbers. He's never told me to give like $62.35. It's always whole numbers. So I'm just like, I wonder if he's going to give me an exact amount someday. But, um, you know, uh, I have, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to be boastful, I've sent money to people that maybe aren't a part of my circle. And I've gotten notes and phone calls that say, we had an unexpected bill to pay. And your money arrived, and it's the exact amount of the bill. It must have been a whole, whole, bill, whole number on the bill because, you know, how that worked. But anyway, and I remember thinking, so what, I, what it taught them was that God's timing is perfect and his faithfulness is perfect. But I got to be the one that did it. When I say we, I've got, I've got a husband, Brett, who's very generous as well, so it's, it's kind of a we thing. Um, you know, sending money to somebody who said, my wife's a stay-at-home mom, we don't really have any extra money to do fun things. I'm going to take her out for our anniversary and just enjoy her and tell her how much I love her. Um, and I think, you know, those are really cool stories to hear because God's timing is perfect. And so listen to that little voice that tells you to give some odd amount of money to some person that you don't even know that well because there's a reason he's putting it on your heart. Um, there is a statement about... Uh, um, having enough when you said what's enough in my kitchens I cut it out of a magazine it says enough is great riches most of us have enough um there's a big difference between needs and wants I have a list of wants a mile long but I don't need anything and so because God has given me more than I need the expectation is that I give it back to somebody um and I we give to our church family we give to other missions as well but I'm going to leave you with um three scriptures um proverbs 3 9 honor the lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your product deuteronomy 15 10 you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this the lord your god will bless you in all your work and in all you undertake and that's an interesting thing it's like it, he always gives it back 
But if you give it away, saying, well, I might give away $300 so I get $450 back. It doesn't work that way. But it does bless it over. It's like all of a sudden I always have enough. Um, it's amazing. And then the last scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It is, it is a lot of fun to give. I love it. Um, it's one of my favorite topics about, you know, who can we help? Um, and I'm thankful that I got to see benefits of that as well when I was growing up and families helped my family. So I just encourage you to, to give as much as you can because it's more than you think you can because we all have more than we need because enough is great riches. Appreciate those thoughts and uh, just well put, and I hope uh, we can take those to heart. Here's what the Lord has led me to ask you this morning, and then uh, we'll have Jeremy. I think we've got one more song and then a closing prayer, prayer of sending uh, in, in regard to God's gracious giving to us and our call to be generous. But two things. First, I want to call this one Close Your Giving Gap. We've got two things going on here, in my, at least in my heart, uh, within this congregation. Number one, we've had a lot of uh, Apple turnover, okay, in terms of people saying moving on or electing not to be here or whatever for various reasons, some good, some not so good. So that affects our budget. That affects our giving. And we're trying to look at this for this next year of giving, and yet we've stepped out at the same time to in terms of our hiring. So that's kind of a strange, you know, well, does that make sense? It makes sense if we respond. It makes sense because we can do this. So the other side of it is we're probably only giving just a fraction of what we're capable of giving as a congregation if we believe in what we're giving to. Okay? Some of you, I mean, there's some, we, 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 we know, Carrie's already made the point. I don't need to make the point again. You get it. It's an examination of your own heart, and it's a decision whether you believe that, 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 that the money needs to be here, given to this work. That's the decision before you. Uh, some of you have already answered that. Others, maybe not. So while some people may be gone that aren't going to come back, and we've been affected by that, I believe within the capabilities and the, the potential of what God can do through this congregation, we can rise beyond that. That's, what I, that's my belief. Okay, but it's going to take the family working together. So closing the gap simply means you're going to get a letter in the next week or two, if you're a member of the congregation here, indicating you're giving year to date. And I want you to assess that letter, as we, some of you have done in past years, uh, relative to what you've intended to give. Because I know our family has had an expectation for what we would give, but we might not have met that in a few weeks for various reasons because of the way we tend to give, and we just had this, that, and the other come up and didn't need to close that gap. Okay. Some of you may give and you just deduct it from what you've got and it comes through straight through the bank and you're, you're good, at, good to go. You get to bypass this one, Okay. But for a lot of us, we need to do some real soul-searching here in terms of the way God is blessed. Because for some of you, 
So even some young families, your giving isn't in, your 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 uh, income isn't anywhere near uh, where it might have been just a few years ago. Okay, you're in a different place, and we need you now. You hear me? We need you now. The second one, then I guess, was related to this is. Five, I put in there five new family units. I just made up the number. I made up the number. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's 20. But I think there are families within this congregation, family units, not necessarily a family, but a family unit, that are capable of stepping in to help us uh, close the gap. And, to, and this will allow us to see where we are so that we can do the proper budgeting into the next year. Do you get what I'm saying? We close the gap, and then we begin to step up. So I'd like five of you to look at your giving and say, what are we doing? We can do more with much more with what God has given us and identify that in a commitment on your card, on a yellow card, and put it out there in the foyer and say, we, we, I wanna, we're going to give this. We're going to give this. So you're kind of stepping into that gap right now. Jesus had three. Okay, we're bigger. That's why I picked five. It wasn't even visionary. This is like a little bit bigger. But I thought, wow, I think within the congregation, we, there are five families that, that, uh, that are kind of on the fence in terms of your own giving and you need to get in, get in the game, so to speak. Being like one of these women that we see in Luke 8, for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the well-being of of this church and for your own growth.